Welcome to Joy in Learning, a podcast from the Harley School in Rochester, New York. We're an independent school for nursery through grade 12, where there's always lots of interesting learning going on for us to share with you. For this episode, I spoke with Terry Smith and Ben Burroughs about how Harley was able to create a version of our annual holiday celebration candlelight during the pandemic. Enjoy! I am here with Dr. Terry Smith, head of the lower school and co-director of Candlelight. Terry, thank you for taking time to talk with me. I know this is crazy schedule this week, so thank you. I appreciate it. Well, the last week before break is always exciting, but uh, we expect that it's going to be that way. And I love talking about Candlelight, one of my favorite things. So thanks for giving me the opportunity. Excellent. So on that, um, let's start with just a very brief, what is Candlelight? For those who are not already familiar, maybe new families, uh, what is this thing that we do called Candlelight? (laughs) So Candlelight has been around since 1926 and it's evolved, which is great over the years. It began as a way for the community to gather together on the last day of school before winter break, sort of a holiday send-off for everybody. And it began with everybody just sitting around singing Christmas carols. And it has since evolved, as I referenced, to include a Hanukkah uh, after that for, for a few decades. And then back in the 80s, uh, I have a letter from Richard Blumenthal, who was the head of school back then, for my files that uh, talked about the committee that got together to talk about better representation, right? So basically what Candlelight is, is a musical and um, mostly musical, but then there's text and and also candles uh, that get lit for the various traditions, but it reflects our middle school and upper school communities, what is authentically celebrated around the time of the winter solstice. So yes, there are other big holidays and celebrations in the various cultural and religious traditions, but that we take this time to pause on the, on the shortest day of the year when everybody through the ages has lit a bonfire or a Yule log or a menorah or an advent wreath to symbolize light and bringing light into a very dark world. And, and we milk that for all it is in terms of making sure that we build our community and celebrate who we are. And it's not just a survey of, oh, these are all the traditions that happen at this time. Uh, it, it is authentically reflective of the population we have at school, which is why it has evolved and changed over the years to include Kwanzaa and Diwali and uh, Day of Covenant and uh, Eid Uldaha and uh, Winter Solstice and Ganayasta and uh, all, I'm sure I'm missing some Diwali, uh, Advent, Hanukkah, all of those things, uh, depending on who our students are and who our, our community is uh so there are some years that we're you know we're not doing buddhism this year because there's nobody who put down on the survey at the beginning of the year that they themselves uh celebrate authentically celebrate buddhism so uh once we determine what our uh what the various cultural and religious traditions are then ben burroughs in his brilliance picks music that is reflective of that uh and we uh present it it's a it's a big evening presentation on the last day of school before break Alumni come back, past faculty come back, past board members come back, everybody walks in. Again, it's mandatory for the fifth through 12th grade students. And primarily the choirs are on stage, instrumentalists are in the pit, uh, and you have mostly seniors who are the ones who are representing the various traditions on stage. Uh, but it depends on who's celebrating them. We have uh, we have a sixth grader and a seventh grader this year who are representative of, of their traditions. So it is really, uh, to me, one of the best ways that we can come together and put aside difference 
uh, open up our hearts to what everybody else celebrates and know that we're uh, we're sort of united in that. And and it's a great way to send us off uh, with the with the unity of seeking peace and seeking understanding and inclusivity uh, for our community. It's it's a beautiful tradition and it's different every year, which is great. So in a quote unquote normal year, so in the last several years, what does candlelight look like for you in the time leading up to the event itself throughout the fall? What what sort of, what do you have to go through? What procedures mm-hmm. do you do to make this thing happen? Well, it starts with the survey, as we've said. Uh, ben sent it out this year. In previous years, uh, David O'Brien has sent it out. We see who uh, who our population uh, is. And then we, I work with Ben to pick the music and with Christy Houston as well, uh, with the instrumental side of it and Kelly Stevenson. Uh, we have um, music that the, the pit performs and then also uh, various tradition specific music uh, that way. So uh, it also is a matter of working with uh, the middle school and the upper school to have uh, banner bearers. We also have banner bearers for the first through fourth graders as well. Those are students who in the lower school and middle school are selected by their teachers to carry their class banner to represent uh, their class. And uh, in the upper school, it's the class presidents who carry their class banners. And so it's a matter of usually the week of candlelight, a variety of rehearsals with the choirs uh, on stage. One rehearsal is just teaching them how to walk in and walk off stage, (laughs) which is its own choreographic uh, joy. Uh, And then we also have uh, rehearsals where we have everybody, all the uh, middle school and upper school students, because even if you're in the audience, you still have a role in candlelight. There are times when everybody sings and there's information uh, that they need to know about. So when they have a job and when they when they get to sit and, and listen. So the so usually it would mean meetings with uh, the various people who are reading the texts that go with the traditions, working with the candlelighters, helping them project in the theater, uh, and then working with Art Whitfield, who is our tech designer, uh, and, and getting the lighting just right. Because in, in candlelight, the beauty of candlelight is that it's all uh, silence, basically. There's, there's the sound of the music and the readings, and then there's the silence in between them. And, and normally you would have applause at the end of a, a piece of music and then you would go to the next one. But, but what cues the, the, the progression of candlelight is the, the different areas of the stage that are lit, right? So for instance, if it is we start with Larry and his, and his opening prologue, it's just a very pale center pool of light and he's alone in the middle of the stage. And then from there, you'll light up the entire stage where the choirs come in and sing uh, carriers of the light. And then you, you will have the different tables on which the ceremonial candles are, uh, are presented. Uh, and so you may shift from the, the choir light, the full stage, to just the left-hand table because that's the tradition that's being featured next. So, so it is all rather seamless and silent, I would say, as it goes through. It's, it's really quite striking to sit back and just go, wow, that's, you know, that flowed pretty well, but it does take a lot of rehearsal to get to that point. Mm-hmm. So now here's the $64,000 question. Um, <laughs> how was this year different than previous years? Well, in lots of ways. So, uh, so I will say that, that for Ben, especially given the fact that 
Candlelight is this musical celebration and that the text of the songs is really reflective of uh, honoring the traditions that are presented. Uh, ben working with his various choirs in, in segments, right? He meets with this one-sixth of the choir and this other sixth of the choir and keep maintaining the, the COVID protocols and all of that was really from September. He was working on that. Uh, and since there was no fall concert this year, it really took that amount of time. Everything just took longer. And his, you know, it's a it's huge amount of effort on his part uh, to edit all of the music and everything. Uh, so we, we met with you and with Beth Bailey to talk about the fact that this can't be a live uh, performance, uh, but that we wanted to keep various elements of candlelight. So we knew that we had the opportunity to videotape um, and record the, the singers, the musicians, uh, instrumentalists, I should say, and then uh, all the various traditions uh, that would be presented back-to-back uh, -back in the theater. So this year we couldn't do that. We had planned to record them all on the Friday after Thanksgiving since we knew that we would have access to the building and that the students were all available. We could get the banner bearers in. We could rehearse them that morning and we could and we could go through it and get everything um, in pieces and then put it back together again with our with our great um, with our great media firm that we're using. So that was all good until we uh, got moved into the orange zone and then we realized we couldn't be in school on that Friday. So we uh, scrambled to make sure that all the students would be able to come in on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, and the, the video crew came in, Art Whitfield came in, all the banner bearers came in, main candlelighters, everybody who was part of a, a tradition came in and we just, we just recorded it that day. And, uh, and thankfully everybody was available and we just worked around people's schedules. That added a level of complexity, I will say, uh, to having to do things in not sequential order. So uh, we all know that there are various uh, continuity issues that we've seen <laughs> that we will just have to laugh off and say, well, nothing's perfect uh, in terms of we were really good in terms of knowing that, okay, we, we are, we're not going to be able to do winter solstice until later. So, okay, let's, let's extinguish all the lights, the candles that are there. And we were preserving the candles too, because you'd want to make sure that they were at least the same height that they would have been within the scope of a, of an hour performance. Uh, so we would, we would extinguish them all. And then we'd go to the next tradition after the air had cleared and all of that. And generally, we were pretty good about knowing, okay, the, the canara will be lit and the menorah will be lit and, and uh, all of that uh, to make sure that we represent the passage of time through the, through the program. The thing that we really didn't <laughs> catch, that I didn't catch, was that the candlelight starts with a blank stage and the, uh, there's the fanfare and the lights dim and then the main candlelighters come in and carry the light into the main uh, sort of stanchion candles that we have that are not associated with the tradition. And they light those, they bring the light to the stage and then they go off stage and from there everything is lit from those main candles. Uh, and that happens before anything else happens. Uh, the banners come in after that. Well, we, we, had, we had recorded the banners at the very beginning of the day and then we just left them up there because darn it, they're beautiful. And we didn't realize <laughs> 
either at the beginning when the main candle lighters come in and then at the end when everything is extinguished except for the, the ceremonial candles that really the banners shouldn't be on stage at that point. So that's our, that's our big snafu moment. That's my big snafu moment. Um, but I really, this year, because we don't have the full stage and everything happens in front of the black curtain, it's actually really pretty. So you can say, you can look at it and you can go, those aren't supposed to be there, but actually it looks pretty nice when they're there. So that would be very different, uh, than a typical year, a normal year. So, um, yeah, we kind of were able to crunch things through. It was, a. It was uh, reminiscent of uh, taping on Yegan uh, the day that we realized that we were going into lockdown last last March. So um, we everybody mobilized and and took a took a village. So yeah, and it, so we talked about this just briefly over email this weekend, and I I think given how quickly we put this together and how the folks involved are not motion picture film creators. Um, and given the fact that if you watch a motion picture, you can usually find some bit of inconsistency that happens. And there are people who are paid to just do that on film sets, and they still miss it. <laughs> I think if, if that's the worst thing that happens in this production, we're doing really, really well. Um, it, you, you've talked about uh, you know one of the, I wouldn't call it a failure, but a bit of a misstep in this whole process. <laughs> What, what's your favorite success? We've, we've watched the first rough cut of the film so far, and we've given our notes. There will be further edits, and things will get refined. And But in that first initial super, super rough cut, what was your favorite moment? Huh. That is, that is, a, that is a difficult question to answer because I was really not looking at it critically, which... I did, obviously, this is what I was being asked to do in terms of how we could, how could we refine it and make it better. But being able just to see in some ways, I, I will say the, uh, the Israeli peace song was powerful and, and amazing. I think being able to use the campus and as much as those kids froze <laughs> in order to get that video footage out there, it really adds a dimension that you don't get when you're in the theater. Uh, and I feel like we have both aspects of that for, for this video. And, and one of the things that I find it, that I always say at the beginning of Candlelight to the audience is that it is our time to be in the moment and that we need to be comfortable with stillness and with silence. And, and we get that. Like we, I feel visually we are, uh, we are now a, you know, a generation or a people that need to be entertained that need to be kept our attention so that so there has to be motion, there has to be movement in order to keep our attention. And that's, you know, sort of sad. Um, and so we get that in, in many of the shots of the singers outside. But when we're in the theater, I, I want it to be sort of this stasis, this sort of this, this moment of stillness where all we can do is watch and listen. And that that alone is enough because the, the texts that are shared are beautiful the the candles on stage are beautiful i i i really think that uh, there's a if you cannot be there in the space that that it really does a wonderful uh way of capturing that i will say also that the klezmer fantasy <laughs> is remarkable in how the video and the audio line up knowing what went into that and knowing that there was um there was just remarkable consistency with with those musicians as well 
and that you would not know that the audio was not recorded when the video was being recorded. It is just that good. It's that precise. It's so, so, so high class. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I was pleasantly surprised um, at, at how well um, you were all able to pull this off. Um, and the reason to do this, uh, well, I mean, it, now, to, to be to be fair, I, relative to you folks, did very, very little work on this. <laughs> so it, it was really, I mean, Ben and you um, and the video folks and, and Beth and um, Christy. Christy uh, Kelly. It did, and Kelly, yeah, you, you got, and the students <laughs> Great. did a tremendous amount of work on this. Um, and the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is to give you folks the recognition and for the viewers to be able to see and, and to know a little bit more about how much work really went into this. And I think that you really have pulled off uh, an amazing rendition of this thing that we do every year. So uh, thank you for all that you've done. And thank you for sitting down and, and telling me the story about it today. And uh, I can't wait to see the final project. Of course. And I hope that this is nothing that people pay attention to when they're watching it. Really, it's this good background information. but. But I want people to just be in the moment and not, uh, I hope they listen to this after. Yes. <laughs> after they've watched it. Yeah. So that they can just sit back and watch the flow. And it, it should look easy, right? If we've done our job well, our hard job well, it should look easy and um, natural. <laughs> I agree. Thanks, Terry. Thank you, Art. I am here with Ben Burroughs, choir teacher and chair of the performing arts department here at Harley. So Ben, we're talking about candlelight. Can you start with telling me what candlelight is like for you in a normal year? Uh, let's start with the day of. What, what does that look like? What are your responsibilities during the event? Well, the day of, it's sort of already in the can at that point. I mean, the choirs have rehearsed all the music and we are prepared to go. So the day of, I'm usually pretty relaxed. We have a rehearsal in the morning to run through the entire thing to make sure that everybody remembers sitting and standing cues and just to run through, you know, to sand off any rough edges left on the music. But it's all pretty done by that point. So uh, we have the rehearsal and I just hang out and... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, eat whatever's in the faculty room, and uh, then I go home and take a shower and put on a suit and come back for the big event. Yeah. So what what is the big event like for you? It's exciting. I, I don't really get nervous, nervous. I mean, I'm not walking around thinking, oh, please let me remember the, you know. Uh, it's, it's exciting. It's that everybody's dressed up. Everybody looks like a million bucks. The kids are all pressed and dressed and uh, ready to go on. And there's a buzz in the room. Uh, we all gather in Jay's room to line up. And there's, everybody's very excited uh, because it's candlelight and, uh, and, and has been for just decades. And so it's exciting to be part of that experience. Plus, winter break starts you know as soon as it's over. But they're really excited about performing and, and letting their friends and parents and uh, classmates see what they've been working on. And after that, we, we start marching in and I kind of, a, a, a calm settles on me as we are in the hall and I think about, sort of visualize what's getting ready to happen and then we walk on and I don't really stop moving after that. How, so you, you mentioned the decades that this has been going on for. Um, how long have you been a part of Candlelight? This is my 18th year at Harley. So this is my 18th candlelight. 
one of those was not actually performed because of a snowstorm. Uh, we people kept repeating all day long as it snowed harder and harder. Candlelight has never been canceled and will never be canceled. Uh, and they canceled it. <laughs> uh, I, I drove home. It took me about two and a half hours to make a 20 minute drive home. Uh, what's normally a 20 minute drive home. Took a shower, put a suit in a bag, put, you know, dressed up in my sweats and everything. I was going to change here because it's such a mess. Took me two and a half hours to get back. And as I was turning onto Clover, Terry Smith called to say, it's canceled. Oh, <laughs> so, no. so I came to the parking lot, turned around and drove two and a half hours back. Oh, wow. So not that it has necessarily been canceled this year, but it's going to be quite a bit different this year. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, how things are for you the day of. How, what is a typical year like leading up to candlelight well my life choir directors musicians in general we generally live our lives three to six months to a year ahead of time so i spend my summers sitting at my piano in my basement playing through choral music uh, i usually uh, go on to uh, a website and find new publications i order a bunch of new publications i've got i'm kind of a pack rat with choral music i've got two cabinets full of filing cabinets full. But uh, I play through all the new stuff. I call through the old stuff looking for things that might be appropriate for this year's concerts. I plan the fall concert. I pre-plan candlelight. And then after I meet with the choirs in the fall and <clears throat> get an idea of how they really sound and what they are, what, what would sound good in their voices, uh, I make final decisions about candlelight and order that music, which is usually done by Oh, the end of September or so. And then, um, as soon as the fall concert is over, we, uh, the next day we listen to the concert and the last thing we do is listen to carriers, read through Carriers of the Light, which is our traditional opening. And at that point, we're off to the races. That's how I know that Christmas season, the holiday season, uh, all of that, the candlelight season has started is the first time I hear Carriers of the Light. Wow. So it's it's months of rehearsal. Yes, it's it's months of prep over the summer and leading up to it for you to pick music and get things ready on your end. And then it's months of rehearsal with students. Correct. So what what you see on stage at Candlelight uh, for me and I'm sure for the other uh, the other teachers as well is about six months of planning on my part and about six to seven weeks of, of rehearsal from the students. Wow. And I would imagine that this year's is not that much different in terms of all that that's required, but then there's all the additional on top of that that, that had to happen this year. Was anything uh, in what you would do in a normal year outside of the additional stuff, was any of that stuff different this year? Did you do all the sort of same things that you would have done in a normal year? I did, except uh, this year, of course, we started a little bit late, and with the hybrid schedule, it just wasn't time to put on a fall concert, and, and we wouldn't have been able to because we can't have audiences. So we really just started working on Candlelight right at the beginning of the year, as soon as we started, the upper school choir started rehearsing. Uh, we're also rehearsing half as much, so I only see them twice a cycle. And uh, so that really cut down on, or that, that, that added to the, the, the build-up time, uh, the, the rehearsal time we would need. So we really just jumped right in in September and started working on candlelight music. 
And uh, but candlelight was also for us two weeks early. For me, candlelight was last weekend because that's when the the tracks had to be fully prepared. So we're already working on spring spring music, which is just bizarre. I mean, <laughs> to be working on spring music two weeks before candlelight is just my mind is I I, I don't know what. I don't know what day it is anymore. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so you mentioned the tracks. We've talked about a normal year and then adding that sort of normal year onto this year. What was the additional part this year? What What did that look like? How did you get your music from something that would normally be sung on stage to something that is now going to be on a video? Well, I <clears throat> I went to a... I uh, attended an E... A, a webinar, whatever you call it, uh, over the summer, and uh, some uh, the, the presenters were discussing the merits of trying to use BandLab to cobble together uh, both lessons and some performances to some extent. So I just sort of decided that's what I was going to invest in. So we uh, invest my time and energy into. So that's what we've done. Um, we have used this. Uh, free online cloud-based service where people can collaborate from wherever they are uh, to record one track at a time that's woven together. Uh, the whole process for me starts with a notation software, music notation software called Sibelius. I put in every note of a piece of music, the accompaniment, the voice parts, uh, if there's anything else, drums, violin, cello, whatever it is, I put all of that into Sibelius. Uh, <clears throat> I put in a metronome track. I'm then able to export each one of those tracks as an audio file, an individual audio file. So now I have an audio file of all of the materials, and they're all at the same tempo because it's a computer program, so it's all synced up. I then upload all of that to BandLab, I can upload in each individual track. Then I go in and I sing each part with all of the dynamics and all the articulation so that I now have on BandLab both the piano playing individual parts, the accompaniments, the metronome track, and me playing. Then each student can go in, uh, listen to whichever combination of things they want on the headphones. They can turn on and off tracks. So if they want to listen to the accompaniment and me singing their part or the accompaniment and the whole, you know, all the parts, whatever they want to listen to, they can listen to that through headphones while they're recording through a microphone that picks up just their voice. Um, then I sit down with BandLab and go through each individual track. I have to clip out page turns and any extraneous noise, adjust the volumes for everybody, and then I compress all of that and uh, export that as one individual audio file of all the kids singing uh, after I've lined everything up. Then I import that audio file into an editing software called Audacity and start managing things like uh, maybe add a little reverb because it can be a little dry recording with different microphones. Uh, so just do a little fine tweaking in Audacity. And then I export that as the finished product. Easy. <laughs> so now I, I've done a fair bit of audio editing. That is a monstrous job. Uh, how many how many different songs did you have to do that with, and how many different students did you have to do that with? Well, let's see. We had nine pieces in total, 
three of the pieces involved um, involved all three choirs. And BandLab has a track limit of 16. So I had to create an individual Carriers of the Light for each of the three groups. I had to edit each one of those and export that group's audio file. And then I had to create a fourth project where I imported each individual choir file in and then continued to edit that. So for those three songs, those were actually four editing projects. Um, and let's see, the choirs were eight, eight in one group, 11 in another, uh, and five in the third. It, do you have any sense of how many hours you spent on just the editing of these pieces? I really, I, I could not even, uh, I, I was editing as I went along each time. Early on while kids were, while it was coming in dribs and drabs, I was editing each track as it came in and lining it up and clipping out page turns and all that. But uh, towards the end when they started coming in three or four or five or six or eight tracks a day, uh, it, it got a little overwhelming. I, I can imagine. Uh, in fact, I, I can't really imagine. It, I'm getting anxious just hearing you say that, and I know it's done. Uh, I, I, I can't even imagine the, the amount of time that you spent doing that. Um, well, I drink my wine out of a box and not a bottle. If that goes, you might have to yeah, I bet. that out. <laughs> I hope not. Um, so... That was your part. And then we also then took, uh, we wanted to add some video to that. So how did you guys manage to create imagery that would make some sense in this while staying COVID safe? Well, the great thing about this band lab program is once I have my, once I've sung all the tracks in, now it's not always pretty because if I'm doing the, treble choir music, I'm singing soprano one at pitch in falsetto, uh, and that hurts to I do bet. a whole piece. I mean, that, that really takes some, some, some good posture, and uh, uh, it's not the prettiest thing ever, but it's accurate. So once I had all that in there, and because it's all based on the original Sibelius tracks, which are all, you know, synced up uh, because it's, you know, computerized and it's all with the same metronome, uh, I was able to export demo tracks of really essentially just me singing the parts plus the accompaniment plus the metronome track. Um, <clears throat> I then had to import those songs into uh, as, as audio files into a Google Drive, which I then imported into iTunes on my phone so that I could play it through my phone. And then I hooked my phone up with a Bluetooth device, which I carried around while we were filming. So uh, the film crew would show up. They would, we would get the choirs arranged however they needed to be arranged. Uh, and then I would hold this Bluetooth thing up, and it was about, it felt like it was about minus 20 degrees the two days we filmed. Uh, so we're all standing out there smiling, looking like we're standing in Florida, and it's actually about negative 20 degrees. But with me holding this Bluetooth device up, playing the, the demo track, uh, which once the kids added their parts would be exactly the same. So they were able to film, and we would film each piece three or four or sometimes five or six times so that they could get different camera angles uh, with the kids lip syncing to the recording that they were getting ready to make um, so that when they finally had the finished 
audio product, it would line up with the video they had already shot. Yeah, that's un an unbelievable undertaking. I have never done anything like this ever before. I'm not sure I'd want to do it again, but it certainly was an interesting learning experience. Yeah, I bet. My learning curve was about vertical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then there are orchestra parts to this as well. Um, how did that process go? I know it's not nearly as complicated, um, but there, there had to be a recording and then a, a fake performance, correct? Correct. So for, for those, uh, for orchestra, it's actually a little bit easier because orchestra, uh, being string instruments, are able to sit six feet apart. They don't have to worry about right. creating aerosols that we do in choir and in band. So uh, they actually can sit and look kind of like a normal orchestra. Uh, and we, we were able to record them in live. Uh, we've got a recording, a portable recording studio, which uses yet a whole different set of software. Uh, and I, uh, so I was the recording engineer for that. And so uh, uh, Kelly Stevenson and Christy Houston would set up their groups, would rehearse the kids, pick the music, rehearse everything that, that, that the choirs do. Uh, and then they would have their kids show up and we would have their, the uh, equipment set up and we would just record them live. Uh, and then they would do the same with the video of, <clears throat> of doing a you know, play syncing, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> whatever the equivalent of lip syncing is. Yep, yep. I, I'm still, I mean, I, I was on the sidelines for this, involved in some of the meetings and some of the planning, and I'm still blown away by the amount of work that you all put into this um, and the dedication that you have to this event to do that level of work, to be motivated enough um, to put in that level of, of work and time and effort um, and, and really passion to make this thing come together. And I, I personally cannot wait to see this thing. Uh. Well, it's Candlelight is such an important touchstone for the community. It is, it is the time when we all gather uh, at, on the darkest night of the year, in theory, uh, the community gathers, alumni come back, and uh, it's sort of like a giant Harley reunion every year. Uh, and it's just such a lovely event. We, we wanted to try as much as possible to preserve that and to present it in a way that would be recognizable as the candlelight that people know and love, uh, but to try to maximize uh, what whatever whatever issues came up, whatever we couldn't do the way we normally do, uh, we tried to turn that into a positive and do something interesting with it, something that we would normally be able to do, like filming kids outside lip syncing to a song. Uh, and uh, so people will recognize Candlelight. Uh, I hope that they are comforted by seeing this constant from Harley's community or from our calendar that... Uh, I hope it gives them uh, peace and comfort and joy knowing that some things never change, uh, even if presented in a slightly different format. But we certainly wanted to wanted to offer this as uh, as our our love offering to the community. That was extremely well said. And on behalf of the Harley community, I want to thank you for doing it. And for me, thank you for sitting down and talking about it. This has been great. A pleasure, Art. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on Joy in Learning, the Harley Schools podcast. 
We look forward to sharing interesting stories, discussing educational topics, and exploring ideas with you in our next episode. See you again soon.